something else we uh, watched. We were talking about it. Um, going, and it's just good. Another look back in history was you remember the Malice at the Palace? Malice, right? It's up on Netflix, right? I watched it twice actually. I enjoyed it okay. that much. Yeah. How so? Okay, you enjoyed it. Okay, so tell me, and I'll tell you because to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, so so um, I think I know why you didn't enjoy it, but um, okay. but <laughs> so just <laughs> um. So I remember it, it actually it, t- it takes me back to I remember when I watched it live I was actually um working at the Hilton and I watched it with um the with game. um the, the actual brawl No I never so the game was not on it's it's sports center so it's TSN cutting okay. to whatever was watching uh whatever was going on I, Don't quote me on it they might have interrupted um what was going on just to show that they might have broken away from something just to show that and um, so, uh, working in Oakville, um, you know, the you remember the light industrial, like the Ford plant was there, for example, and we had a yeah. bunch of other um, auto. So we get so I big shout out. I loved all the Detroit folks that would come, you know, and I got to know the difference between Detroit and Grand Rapids and Lansing, and uh, just you know, just I think I think. Um, I think um, just the coolest people, the, by far the coolest Americans I've actually been kind of intimate with and just going out with them after shifts, even though it was kind of a full pop, but they were just like regular dudes like you are, you and I are now. And just, you know, we're just like, hey, let's, let's, let's grab drinks tonight. They were just by far the coolest people. And so I watched this cutaway with these guys who were Pistons oh, okay. fans, right? I mean, okay, yeah. yeah. And they were just... They were just like, I remember one guy turns and just like turns to his colleague. They were with some um, engineering, they were engineer consultants for uh, for a Chrysler project, Daimler Chrysler. And one of them, I just remember turning to his colleague and say, hey, isn't Gary at the game tonight? Oh, let me just, let me just email him. So they whip out their Palm <laughs> Pilots and they email him and they just, and it took a while, but they apparently like their colleague was not at the game. But I just remember that. It's just, oh, shit, I think Gary's at the game. Um, and they were just embarrassed, right? Because they were just like, look, look at these, you know, degenerates. Um, back to the back to the back to the Malice doc. Um, little things I liked. I liked how they showed the scoreboard um, with the time and how, you know, and time left in the game and where it all went down. I love the um, love the music. I love the lighting. I liked the, you know, just from a production stand of the point of view. So it was top notch. Um, I liked how they revisited everything. Um, they kind of showed the backstory of the key guys being, uh, you know, Artest O'Neill and uh, Jackson, and um, and then they obviously showed the malice. They break that down and they show kind of the ramifications. They then show the the lawyer that was involved. They interview a couple of the you know the, the derelict fans that got involved and. Uh, <laughs> And that was it. And then they kind of did a post-mortem on all three of their careers, right? Um, I actually had some issue with um, how they portrayed Jermaine O'Neal's, like, like the end of his career happened on that day, and it, it didn't. He got let's, several other paydays. Uh, yeah, let's come back to Jermaine towards the end, because um, yeah. there's a bunch to talk about, and I, I and there's other stuff we want to talk about that's related to Jermaine. So, so. I, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it. It was, you know, I remember all the emotions coming to me at the time, which was, this is 
pretty scary. These are big dudes. They're swinging. And I just remember thinking it could have been worse. But I never, like, clutched my pearls to the extent. To the extent. And I'll, I'll tell you why I didn't clutch my pearls. That year, that year, 2004, Portugal hosted the Euro Cup. I went to see um, – I went to see a Portuguese soccer game and it wasn't big clubs, but it was, you know, first division teams. And, um, and it was a chance to get out of regulation, uh, sorry, relegation. Right. So you want to keep your status so that you're in the next year. And I was with my buddy and he's part of one of those support. Um, um, he's part of those, um, whatchamacallit there. Um, uh, my God, what are they calling? Um, no, 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 no. Okay, so picture Manchester United, right? They have these supporters clubs. So the Red Devils. It's like a fraternity. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, about right? Like there's the LA, Gal- not Galaxy, that other team, LAFC, they send a group of people over to Europe to like train, to learn how to be yeah. like that group of supporters. Yeah, it's back. fucked. It's it's basically a cult. I think you're a loser if you're part of any of these things. I mean, <laughs> these guys, these guys literally ditch their families. They put all their money into like booze wow. crews, and like I just think it's just like I think it's just a weird worshiping form of fan. Have, Anyways, uh, a lot of have diversity issues. I think right. I think they're gonna have trouble aging. I think. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And we have them here. Like I, I know some people that you know are part of TFC and their um, supporters clubs, and nothing like Europe. But that's but that's the aim. They want to be like Europe, which I think is just pathetic. Just just pathetic. Just picture like internet wrestling fans, just like all of a sudden forming like, and that's that's what they are. That's what they are. They're just yeah. So so um, you're at the game, and I'm at the game, and like all hell breaks out. I mean, we're talking only like five thousand fans at this particular uh, game, and it it got ugly, man. It got really ugly, and. And so I like I saw that, and you know, my my cousin was just like, "Oh, it could have been worse." You should see when like the big clubs, Benfica and Porto, play and all that stuff, and like you know, and tensions were high. I went to a rap concert not too uh, later that summer as well that got out of hand because they put two acts back to back that should not have been back to back. Like it was like common in this um, group called MOP and they just should not have gone back to back. Cause they just like the two different crowds, two different styles of music that got out of hand. So I felt like I built, built a bit of an appetite that year of like conflict and, and, you know, almost okay. near death experiences. So I'm watching malice and I'm just like, man, this is still scary shit, man. But I never thought that like, okay, this was bad. This was bad for people that didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s when, like, the Bruins and the Phillies were, like, fighting the fans or Phil Jackson wasn't going out in the crowd and fighting Knicks fans or whatnot. I forget what team he was playing for. But, you know, NBA had some really bad brawls in the 70s. And, um, you know, so I just think that a lot of time had passed since a scary incident like that involving really big professional athletes and just fists being thrown and objects being thrown and just security not being prepared. And so it was a bad scene and I understand, but the, um, the, uh, the reaction to the incident, it still doesn't age well. I don't think it aged well at the time. And again, 2004, I'm, I think 22, 23. And I'm thinking it's like, guys, it could have been worse. And it's fine. Like we're here to we're we know what to do now. Um, get more security for any and all games. That's the cost of being an NBA team and operating the NBA. And the thing that I don't think the NBA anticipated was that was really the last batch of like 
bad guys, bad boys yeah. to play. The the rules changed. You know, those those hard fouls were like almost, you know, they were being phased out. Now the NBA bad boys are Draymond Green and, and Kevin Durant, like having a YouTube series <laughs> talking about their like that's what bad boys do now. They like talk about it three years later and they they hash it out and they they you know they they, they make money off that. Like the, that's 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 the bad guy stays. Like Draymond Green is your Ron Artest today. It's it's not even comparable. So I think that um, yeah, you touch a lot on a lot of things. Okay, I um, I think that I was not a fan of the of the doc. Okay, because basically, did I really learn anything new? I don't think I learned. Did I learn anything new that materially changed my understanding of the event, or did I just watch a retrospective of it, or did I see any new footage like that I didn't see before that would have been just visually cool to see? I don't think I saw any anything like mind blowing. It was basically a lot of the old footage that was already shown before, and for these players, Artest, Jackson, O'Neal, maybe. And, and, you know, Jackson made that big scene. You know, I'm the last time I'm talking about this. No, it's not. You're probably going to talk about it later. Like, I, I've never been a fan of Steven Jackson's, like, his attitude. Um, I just, I don't know. I think he thinks he's more important than he is. Anyway. I um, 100% agree. 100% agree. And so it's, it's like, and I'll tie that back to the point you just made about how the players are today later. But, like, it was a chance for these guys to talk because I guess they were on a gag order. Okay, fine. I mean, the thing is, though, is, well, actually, they've given interviews and talked about this stuff in years later. Like, even on the jump, it's something that they joke about. Like, Jackson's been on there joking about it. So it wasn't like they haven't talked about it since then. They, I don't know, like, they, they just put on this production, and it just seems to be this thing where, whether it's Stefan Marbury or Kevin Durant or whoever wants to put on their own documentary now, and it's like, okay, well, like, fine if you want to do it. I know people are going to watch it. Get your money. And it, this, to me, is the quintessential Netflix production. It's a bit like, Look, I watch Netflix material too, um, but it's not HBO. It's clear. Like you look at it, the production's just not at that same level. And mm. it's just like they put up the content. They know you're going to watch it. It's a bit like food. It's like there's McDonald's, which is reliable. You eat it. It's fine. Um, then there's like Shake Shack, which is like higher quality burger, higher quality ingredients. And that's your HBO. And that's how I feel like the production um, I didn't understand the flow of like what was happening here. Like I knew I was going to watch about the malice and I get it was, I guess it was kind of important to talk about who these players were. Um, but it was a bit weird. It's almost like they were trying to, at points, almost copy what was done in the last dance. They were the, the way they were introducing old players, but it was just a bit strange because the last dance was about that final year, the chronology of that year. And they were just telling the stories of these players, but the malice is not meant to be about the team and that the team, whatever it was supposed to be about the event. And they, they went in and out of talking about the event. There were some things that were shared that were kind of relevant. Like, oh, the fact that there was, like, very little security, which uh, was a bit strange and it's a bit weird. I mean, was that always the case? I mean, at that time, or are they embellishing some facts? It's just a bit, I just find that one a little hard to believe. Um, but, um, and, 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 and it just, the takes were not great. Like, Jackson, like, how do you not know who Reggie Miller is? I completely believe. That there were plenty. Oh, no, come on, cards. Jason. That was bad, man. No, Reg, but like, everyone knows like, who Reggie you, is. Well, man. no, no, no. You know Reggie Miller because you follow basketball, but not everybody follows basketball. And if you're a cop and you're just like, hey, I'm working all these jobs, I'm working all these hours, I watch football. I'm a Lions fan. I don't watch basketball. I don't care about basketball. And Reggie Miller, he's not exactly my, he's not Michael Jordan. He's not Magic Johnson. He's not Larry Bird. He's just like, he, he's like, he happened to be like the bottom 
tier, that bottom tier of like stars. So I completely believe somebody not knowing Reggie Miller is like the only thing people really know Reggie for is the push off on Jordan and hitting that three. But what other big <laughs> moments were there that you can remember? Like he, he's not I, I famous. Think- uh I think, I think he's pretty famous man honestly man i i uh, i think if you're a cop on the beat in detroit i mean if you're in Pawtucket or whatever i don't know making up or my favorite place jerkwater texas listen uh, yeah if you have three channels in your in your rv but man you're a cop you're a metro detroit cop and reggie miller's probably been in town for the last 18 years at least twice a year, and you don't know when Reggie's coming, man. I don't know that. No, so, I, okay, I, I couldn't. All right, see, this. Okay, I think I'll, the I'll odds you, are in your favor that the person would know Reggie. I complete can I can completely believe that somebody wouldn't know who Reggie Miller is. Reggie was like, you know, Reggie was like almost MJ's foil. Like no, he was. Um, he was no, 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 no. First of all, MJ had no foil. I'm saying he almost was one. If, if MJ could have had a foil, he was the guy. He was the game seven guy, and it was back and forth series. And that one uh, game seven, that was it. That one game. Yeah, seven. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, th- I think Here's- I think, think Reg- Reggie is like the closest thing to a foil. I think Reggie. Listen, I'll meet you halfway. Is it conceivable that that cop didn't know who Reggie was? Yeah. Should have Steven Jackson's reaction been, how the hell you don't know it's Reggie? Okay, calm down, Steven Jackson. So I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll, I'll say calm down, Steven Jackson. And yes, Steven Jackson, you're not really famous for anything else. You are going to talk about this for, you know, till kingdom come. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. In New York, I believe all the New York cops would know Reggie Miller. Um, Reggie's a bit like a cult, a bit of a cult hero among basketball, like, you know, the legions of basketball fans. Like, he's a guy where I think as time goes on, people are going to forget him. People know him as the analyst on TNT. And so people talk about what he did as a player. He's a bit like Jalen Rose. But, um, but otherwise, like, I, I just, I just think that they put up Reggie in this documentary as if he were on that level of the, of like, wait, what's yeah. the team? Was Reggie? Miller? No. No, no, he, he might have been on the, the team. he might have been on the '96 World Championship team, but um, not okay, on the dream yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, I know he was. He's just not at that level. He's not, no, he's not, no, no, no. He's no. a bit like uh, he's like the new generation, you know, like in wrestling when they mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, there was the Golden mm-hmm, Age, yeah. the Hogan era, and then yeah, the guys that yeah, followed. Yeah, That's Reggie, Reggie. And so, can I say this yeah. about? Can I say this about you? Um, just um, I want to piggyback off. You're talking about the flow. I actually didn't mind the flow in terms of learning something new. I forgot how good the Pacers were. You know what the Pacers are, man? The Pacers are that solid mid-card wrestler like a Reggie Miller that you're just never going to put the title on. Like, Pacers have had some decent teams over the years. You even like the Pacers beating the Heatles that one year if it weren't for, like, you well, know. Well, that um, era of the Pacers, yeah, but not this. Iter- like, okay, 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 but I'm, I what I'm trying to say is that they've, this iteration, the they, 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 they've actually – They've actually had a couple of decent, yeah. yeah, They've actually had a couple of decent teams. Yeah, they've like they had bows with the Knicks. They had bows with the Heat in the nineties, and then they had the the two thousand team that made to the finals. Then they, you know, and then um, uh, my goodness, um, then they had um, uh, Donnie Walsh put together a a half decent team with with O'Neal, Artest, and Jackson. So they had this iteration that made to the Eastern Conference Finals. And listen, I don't remember how good the Pacers were, but this. Uh, correct. Uh, no, what I'm trying to say is the um, the way that where the doc picks up is they're trying to say that, and I'm actually going to I'm gonna I'm gonna drink the Kool Aid on this one. Okay. I'm gonna say that um, 
you know, this documentary made believe because I've actually seen some subsequent um, footage of those of those two years when when this core was together that that team was probably good enough to beat the Malone, Peyton, Kobe, Shaq Lakers that year. That okay, um, I was like, going to ask you that. You know, you yeah. Well, put it this way: this documentary made me believe it. I went back, I saw some highlights, and it's like they were a really exciting team, and they might just have had that year. That window was so small. Um, that they might have had it for that year. So, in terms of learning something new for this for this doc, that this they did a great job of showing. Had it not been for the malice, this would have been NBA champion. That's really what they're selling you on. If so it weren't I for the ask, malice, yeah. they would have been NBA champions. That's so. Here's what I want to ask. That's the thesis. Okay, one thing I didn't understand: they made it sound like. And actually, I think they actually said it explicitly in the film. Yeah, it was believed that the winner of this Eastern Conference Finals between the Pistons and the Pacers, if it, if it got to that, whoever came out of the East, though, those two, was going to win the championship. But when the Pistons did face those Lakers, weren't they massive underdogs? Like, were, like I know they swept them. Fine. After the fact, everybody's like, well, look, they swept those Lakers. Five, but five games. Five people... games. Oh, that's right. It was the 4-1. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Chauncey's always eaten up that losing that game. He's, he says that they shouldn't have lost that. But, um, but like going into that finals. Now, this is where I need your perspective because I didn't follow at the time. Like I just caught this on the. Uh, I was in college and I was just doing my thing, and then I saw like the, the the images. Like there, uh, I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy." Um, uh, and that was about it. But I understood it as the Lakers were just seen as dominant. They were the odds-on favorites to to win again. And, whoa, look at this scrappy Pistons team that fights as a team, and then they won. It was seen as an upset. That's what I understood. Even, yeah. like, when the Raptors won, they were saying that the, the biggest underdog since was those Pacers. Mm. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. Pretty sure. Uh, Pacers or Pistons? Sorry, the Pistons. When the Pistons were yeah. facing those Lakers, they were viewed that, clearly as an underdog star, going in. Well, just look at the star power. And they made it all the way to the um, – you know, and the West was probably considered the, the deeper conference of the time. So, yeah. But when you watch that series and how debilitating it was, because yeah. I, you know, I'm a huge Gary Payton fan and I didn't mind that Malone was going to win one. And I was, you know, listen, I was young at the time. I was like, you know, I was actually uh, team Kobe because he was going through that, um, you know, mm. Utah shit. And, um, and I remember Derek, if anything, what gave me pause was Derek Fisher was, I don't know why. He was asked a lot to comment on Kobe. You know, Shaq refused to talk about him. I remember all the other guys refused to talk to him. And um, Derek Fisher actually gave lip service about Kobe and how's he doing. And, you know, and apparently they were always seen practicing together. And so he just, you right. could tell he was, yeah, yeah you could tell they the were together. You could tell he was very uncomfortable. And not only that, he was almost trying to lie for Kobe because he, Listen, he probably wasn't being able to practice enough, and it was probably just like. And he's someone mentioned. I built. I may be wrong. Someone asked him, "Is like, is Kobe not eating well or eating right?" Because everyone just commented how skinny he was going to the oh, finals, okay. and it's just like, man, if you're getting like, yeah, okay, so that Laker right. team should beat you know any team. They should be the the favorites going in. But if you've got to compromise Kobe Bryant, um, you know that's. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's not good enough because now you're asking guys like Fish and Peyton 
to like clean up and, and, you know, in a way that that was probably like Kobe's team and Shaq needs like a, a 100% Kobe to, to get his mojo going. So, um, that's the only thing that gave me pause when I was watching the Pistons just systematically beat down. Um, and, and I just remember everyone trying to guard Chauncey at one point and it's just like, it just wasn't happening. So it was a coming out party for him. So I think it's very possible that a Pacers team, could have defeated that compromised Kobe Lakers squad. Right. So it's very possible, but I will say this, like that, this doc made me believe that the Pacers were that good. And I'll go back to it. I think the, the overarching point that was like, yeah, this team was good enough. And uh, of course they made Reggie look like, um, you know, and, but that's why I like Donnie. Well, actually I thought Donnie Walsh was kind of like the the star of this because Uh, yeah, his his best gem, you know, we were talking about um, gems and pearls earlier. He said that Ron Artest had an exaggerated idea of justice. And I think that's like the most beautiful <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Like, that that's what crazy. hotheads, like, if you ever dealt with a hothead, that's all they do. It's just like, you ask him, why did you do that stupid thing you just did now? Oh, you don't understand. This happened. This happened. It's, it's true. Like, people just excuse away rules and stuff. And um, so I, Donnie Walsh encapsulating Reggie Miller when he was drafted and how, you know, he said, it's like Reggie gave us the best chance to win and we never quite got it done. And I just think he, he said as, um, you know, he just basically gave the eulogy for his career. That, um, that's interesting. Um, I, I agree that Donnie Walsh was great in this doc. It was great that they got him. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Cause the, the whole incident, um, I, I, it just seems like none of these guys. Okay, I am. I, I understand the situation, right? Like self defense, they're fearful. I mean, it is you have this mob. There's no real security. Okay, fine. But you did go into the stands, all of you, mm-hmm. like some of you, and you did mm-hmm. engage the fans in mm-hmm. like, with authority, like you know, like fighting with them. So then. What are, I mean, what are you upset about? Yeah, you got suspended. I mean, there are consequences to your actions. That's it. Dave Stern's the commissioner. Yeah. He suspended you. Okay. They had to. So, and so, this goes so here's. To, well, then Go what ahead. I was going to say was these guys, like, you, you, it isn't just showing up to a court and just putting the ball in the hoop. This is an entertainment product. You have to engage the public. You're marketing something. You're wrapping it up. You, and then the thing is, today's players understand that they are all ambassadors for the brand and the game so that's also why they're taught from young like you have to conduct yourself in a certain way your your stuff is going to show up on social media before you even get to college when you get to college when you come out so you have to carry yourself in a certain way because you're professional and professionals want to know that you're professional for you to be brought into the organization so if it's that way for me and you in the corporate world it's going to be the same for these guys and that's what jackson and our test all these guys didn't really i'll get to our test site in, in a minute but these guys, like, they just had a real shit attitude through the documentary, understanding this concept. Like, yeah, you get suspended mm. for a really lot, a shit lot of games because you did something to the public at that time or to the commissioner and to the corporate sponsors was conceivably completely unthinkable, right? Like, I thought for, for all we could have worried about at that time, it would drastically change anything from do the fans have to be farther away from the court? Does that mean that they have to sell fewer courtside seats? Does that impact revenue? There's so many things that go beyond just, hey, like, we didn't get a chance to win a championship. Like, it's just this, the idiocy of, like, Stephen uh, – it's really Stephen Jackson. It's just – and, and Jermaine, I know that's, that's frustrating me, actually. 
but okay. Well, Ger- uh, I'll, I'll I'll defend I'll defend Jermaine a bit. He said I deserve to be suspended. Um, the couple things with the justice. Okay, first of all, Ben Wallace almost gets like a pass because that yeah, was not, it's true. That was not a push. That was a New Japan Pro Wrestling Nakamura <laughs> forearm shiver. Like I push my kids. What Ben Wallace did to our test. That was and and I'm sorry. That foul was so cheeky. And it was it was nothing. It was like I don't even think that would be reviewed today. I mean, it was just a hack across the arm. It's like you don't foul someone that late in the game. Um, you don't shame on you, uh, Pacers, for having your stars out. Well, Ben Wallace, you were on the court too. Um, That's true. So the, the, yeah, the, the, the losing team is supposed to pull their starters out of the game, and yeah. then the, the winning team will pull their guys exactly. out. Exactly. You the losing team first. Is yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's the first thing. So the shove was just insane. <laughs> okay, so Ron Artest lays down and he gets something thrown on him and he just goes ballistic. And then that's the, so. I guess it depends what you think the proximate cause of everything is. Whether you think the drink being thrown on him is, or the as soon as he steps towards a fan and starts swinging at him, that depends. That you know that that's. And then well, that, the that causes. Should, no, obviously, a drink should never been thrown. Like that guy, obviously, you need to be charged. I mean, that that's a break. You know, and banned. Like that's the rule, but. You know, you don't need to run at the like. It's not like a, a cup of beer thrown at you is as a threat to your safety, right? That you. What I'm trying to, to say run. is, what I'm trying to say is that Ron Artest actually should be able to go into a crowd and punch someone if he chooses. <laughs> no, no, no. Here, please let, let me finish. I'm okay. I'm actually going somewhere with this, right? Okay. He should be able to go into a crowd and punch someone, and actually, all the actions that happened afterwards are justifiable. What was not even handed was just David Stern being like, "I'm suspending these guys. I'm picking a number out of thin air." Um, I, I don't. I don't think the NBA PA was involved, and he was just so smug about it. And it's the, it's the that cracked it's, me up to be honest. It's it's the optics of it that. And you know what? I saw the fight. I'm like, this is bad. He might get. I'm. Uh, he might get like 25 games, which is what I would have given everyone there. Um, what I would have done is I would have given everyone 25 games because, like, you guys start a fucking fight. I would have given Ron Artest, he would have had to, like, forfeit, like, I would say, like, 50% of his salary, whatever. So everyone gets the same games, but the monetary fines are different. That's what I would have done because I don't think it was that bad um, because it could have been worse. And people are like, oh, you can't use that. It's like, mm, intense matter and results happen. That's why we have degrees of murder. Um, you know, if I and, – and you can't prove intent – if I plow my car into my neighbor's house and I really wanted to kill him, um, that's something that I know. I'm just going to get charged with like reckless driving, right? Or, you know, attempt to um, bodily harm someone. No one knows that I really want to, to, to kill him. So that's why I think that Stern's um, justice was, was, was not cool. It doesn't age well. Um, I, it's never going to happen again because I'm first of all, I'm silver is never going to be in that situation. Cause I don't think he's got that crew of players. Um, the security is just insane now at every single game. There's probably, there's probably summer league games and WNBA games going on right now that are more secure than that game um, that <laughs> night. Um, so I don't think anyone's got anything to worry about. And um, I actually want to um, test that theory. There's a reason why Conor McGregor could be, didn't end up in you know a pier six brawl with all those fans 
cultural divides. I mean, you did see some videos break out, but the fact that like people did not um, mob that ring or mob the octagon that night is because they probably had like you know 500 SWAT teams as well as like private security, and there was just no way. Like that, those were the apart from things being thrown in the cage. Nothing was going to happen that night. I think we just have a totally new appreciation for security measures now in sports. So, um, so yeah, I actually think I actually I actually think like I agree with everything that you just said. They were in the wrong. They probably didn't. They probably came off as like, oh, what do we do? Or you know, the, the media branded us after. It's like, yeah, but you guys did the stupid thing. You did that. I agree with all that. Punish them. But I think the punishment was too, too much. Strict. I actually yes. don't care if they would have punished him beyond like here's a game. It wouldn't. Have, I really didn't care. Like you're like like you. I wasn't offended by it. I thought it was like, hey, it got me as a as a longtime fan who hadn't watched in a few years to actually watch some stuff to follow it. Like anyway, I mean, it, it was brought into my balls. I really didn't care either way. Um, but I'll say this though, this is not a. It's not a, when when they keep saying, well, you know, in in the court of law, there's degrees of intent, and then you know, like they're they're trying to bring in the. The, the legal process. I'm like, but this is not fine. You're absolved of criminal, uh, criminal. You haven't committed a crime. I get it. That's not what this is. This is a private entity who wants to conduct the business their way. You, they have their own terms by which you are going to operate to do business. And so they're saying you right now, you Pacers are not good for our brand of the whole league. Not only are you bringing down your own brand of Pacers because Apparently, some apparently the, the following of the Pacers did sort of diminish in the years that followed. Like a lot of the fans were turned off by what they were seeing. You're affecting our whole business, whether it's sponsorships, whether it's we're even going to be required to make change. I, I might be making that up about the arena layouts, but I'm sure that there would have been a lot more concern about can we have fans as close to the action as they've been, right? I'm just saying that this was well beyond just um the the incident for these guys like david stern has to manage the interests of 30 owners who are all interested mm -hmm. in all their corporate sponsors so i'm like if they had to just throw these guys under the bus and make it really look really tough and like we're gonna make the league like it's no different than when vince mcmahon was trying to improve wwe to like what to a point where now they have sponsorships with with mm -hmm. like, um pure life all these other companies which never would have happened 10 years even 10 years ago um, yeah. they're trying to just, they're trying to package up their product and you know what, that's what helps bring in the money that those guys make. And so Absolutely. That's today's player understands that guys like Steven Jackson and, and, um, Iverson and whoever didn't understand you guys are brand ambassadors. They just thought they were mm -hmm. just going to play more basketball. But yeah. The basketball yeah. that's, that's for you guys, but you know, like, I mean, there's more to it. So I don't know. I just think that that's what was missing here. Now. Run our test. I'll say this though: is uh, I appreciate that there was greater um, spotlight into like all the stuff that was going on with Ron. Because I don't, I mean, I don't know. How, I, I wasn't as aware about. Um, I know. Remember, he sold out. He auctioned off his or donated. He was going to sell off his championship ring to um, to raise uh, money and donate to like charity for like mental health and all that stuff. I remember, he said that like when he won with the Lakers. But other than that, I wasn't as aware that he was going through his own stuff during this time period, which they highlighted in the documentary. And Jermaine O'Neal made that comment that if they knew, or maybe it was in the interview with Ryan Russell, if they knew, if he really understood at the time what all this was, he, they would have probably been able to understand it all differently then. And mm -hmm. the patients were, were handling and stuff well. So I thought that that was illuminating to help understand where, where things are going with this. But if that's, I mean, 
Um, and also, it was also Ron explaining why he was stretched out on the table. And, you know, maybe he could have not stretched out on the table, but. You, I didn't you believe thought, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he I thought he was pulling a heel move, man. Just like laying okay. down, almost daring people to throw shit on him. But anyways. Okay. I mean, the alternative was he could have actually charged at Ben Wallace too. But yeah, yeah that's true. The, the Pistons and Wallace, I mean, that's true. He got, I don't know. Like they kind of, they kind of got away with that. Um, the, I saw, uh, there's a, I, I'm so glad they interviewed this guy, Charlie Haddad, and he was saying it was it was a bitch move and all that stuff. I was like, buddy, you're on the court, you're bowing up. I don't know if you remember, but um, actually going back to Connor and Khabib, Chiel Sonnen came out after because when Khabib's guys jumped the fence and Connor saw one of them walking near him, Connor actually threw the first punch right, and. And Chael Sonnen says, yeah, that's what you do. And um, <laughs> and he, he says something to the effect, it's like, um, uh, if you guys out there, you know, learn to fight from your, your mom or from your wimpy <laughs> teachers in your liberal school districts, you don't let someone get within an arm's reach of you, right? And so that fan was just, you know, he was there, he had a fist going and it's like, okay, this it's going down. So I thought he came off just stupid. And 20 years later, just like, why would you agree to that? I'm <laughs> sure his life is ruined. Like, you know, if you're going to say that they're going to film it and, ah, uh, just so him, that John green guy in hearing the, the doc back a couple of times, um, Mike Breen was doing the play by play and he was actually saying, he was actually kind of shaming the, the Pistons crowd, like throughout the whole thing, like shaming. So I thought that was kind of cool. It oh. seemed like it seemed that he had, you know, he could kind of see what was going on and it's like, you guys aren't helping right now. So he was kind of calling out the, um, the, the, the fans there. And Jason, of course, a random November in 2004, like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Jim Gray happens to be there. Like, what the <laughs> hell, man? And they film, and he actually was, he was fine. He was actually okay. He was good. He was good. I felt like he was nuanced and he said the right thing and he didn't make it about Jim Gray. But I'm just yeah, like, I'm looking so back. I I spat out my Korean tea, man, when I saw Jim Gray. I was like, <laughs> no, no, we're not doing this. Jim Gray is not part of this. Um, I I and they're too. showing him in some, like, they're showing him and it's a really dark, like, I don't know, he's got some, so, like, autoerotic pleasure man cave and like the the lighting was all weird they were interviewing him, but he seemed fine it's just he just kind of looked like a bit of a creep like only jim gray can but so i thought he was um like him uh donnie walsh was there and um i'm just gonna name a few guys because i couldn't believe they were part of this when they were showing the montage of all the media and, you know and they would you know obviously use terms that they, they probably like shouldn't be calling or saying you know yeah. at that time because they don't age well like the especially yeah, the word thugs and goons and all that stuff but um they showed keith oberman who i've told you in the past i'm a fan of but he came off as really bad bob costas even came out uh didn't look too good Stephen a smith nah here or there david stern i've already spoken about him there's that cnn guy that was there i don't know if you noticed him aaron brown he was no. there a couple times i did not like him at all in cnn so when i saw him him my blood really boiled because i he was really the face of cnn during the whole um iraq and afghanistan war for a while the kind of the bush presidency so i'm like was not happy at all that that he was um covering it so um anyways those are just kind of my um quick takes on um a few of the characters that 
the media person who didn't really get looped into this, but actually was really impactful in shaping the narrative, in my opinion. Okay. Because we didn't see his face. And that was the thing. It was Bill Walton who was doing color commentary during. Whoa, was that him or was it Doc Rivers? I thought I heard Doc's voice. It sounded like Bill Bill Walton to me because. Okay. This is a disgrace. You know, it's just something, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right. This is a disgrace. And I was just like, okay, settle down. Like, it's it's fine. And you know, Bill Walton always just gave me the impression that. Well, it must be Bill Walton if he said that. (laughs) It just. There's a lot of elements where Bill Walton, the way he covers sport and who he talks about how i always got the impression that he was a low-key racist like whenever he uh mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just seemed it it just seemed it and uh, it's funny it's, it's i would fun. always think it but i couldn't articulate because i didn't know how to and then one day one of my other friends who's he's from hong kong and he follows the game and just back when we were in college out of nowhere we we're talking he's like yeah i just get the impression that that guy's a racist <laughs> like wow. who never he never talks about this stuff and then uh and it was just funny to me how the two of us independently had this conclusion without ever mm-hmm. like I didn't bring it up with him. Um, and and it just I mean he's for me, he, yeah. he's the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bill Walton's the worst. His, his reaction there, this is a disgrace. And then um, Me- meanwhile, just, back in back in his era, you know, like every, one out of every two games <laughs> were like televised, and there was brawls. And God knows the language was probably worse back then. Um, well, put it this way, it's certainly condoned more today, but. Yeah, it's like, give me a break, Bill Wan. Like, we know the era of basketball that you guys were in. And, you know, God knows what cocaine and sex orgy parties you guys were involved in. Like, it's, you know, your, your your era was not wholesome, you know. So for you to, like, you know, shame on these guys, it's it probably came down to the fact that he, um, you know, he was a big guy. He obviously, he, you know, he, he hated Shaq for so many years, right? Because that's essentially like his position. And going back to what you said about Bill Wallen being a racist, I'm sure, and this will, this might crystallize your point even further. I think Bill Walton would have had no problem if Patrick Ewing was the dominant big man of the nineties and Shaquille O'Neal did not come along. Do you know what I mean? I, I hope that makes sense to you. I, oh, I think I he has it. an yeah. idea of, what the big man should look like and someone like Shaq who was doing rap albums and one of the first big men to have tattoos and to dress a certain way. So yeah, I think right. he would have had no problem with Akeem Olajuwon and Patrick Ewing and David Robinson carrying the mantle for the big guys, but Shaquille O'Neal, mm, Ben Wallace. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, and I, and, and, and for anyone who would be listening, might, might wonder, okay, well, you just, I just talked about David Stern's heavy handed punishment and his approach, his smug approach to it. I'm like, here's the difference is, Bill Walton, like to me, I'm sort of seeing. I'm I can be certainly inferring, but I'm seeing glimpses of who his, how he thinks and sees the world, and that's just his way he wants it to be. Whereas David Stern, I just see as this autocrat, like businessman, who's like, hey, look, I'm running this multi-billion-dollar enterprise. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to run things. I myself have my own progressive views, which he does. Like he was a strong proponent of the WNBA and all sorts of other like progressive causes, like for the for the league. But he's like, look, we're trying to run a business and we're trying to create a brand and we need your participation. And so that's we need your cooperation. I think that's yeah. how I see the difference between, say, Bill Walton and like a David Stern. I do sure, miss for sure. I'll, one thing and, bef- and is I, I'm, before I ask about Jermino, the one thing I'll say about David Stern, I do miss his little his, like back and forth with the media. It's just, yes. Like, you remember that question? Um, was it unanimous? The decision on the, on the discipline, the, the suspensions? Was it mm-hmm. unanimous? Yes, it was. One zero. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he had he he had, he had some gems. He had some gems. Oh. Actually, you know you know it was a lot like him. I know you don't follow him, but but um uh, um um oh my god, why am I forgetting the uh, NHL commissioner? Um oh, Gary Bowman. Bettman. Gary Bettman. I'm gonna think of Bowman. Uh Gary he- Bettman, he's 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 smug too. He's a little more you want to you want to punch him more in the face, but man, can that guy you get? He's been in he's been in panels where the interviewer is right next to him and just grilling him, grilling, grilling. There was one situation where um, Batman was asked, "Is like, well, Jim Balsilli of of Research in Motion is going to you know bring that franchise to he's going to get the signatures and um, you know he's going to get that franchise in Hamilton or Waterloo, or whatever." and um you know he's got a and he's got a flock of lawyers that are gonna and and his answer was like well you know i'm a lawyer and um (laughs) i've reviewed the material and i think the nhl is in great standing and he just had that face that pompous face that he stuck so so he he was a little more um his face was definitely a lot more punchable than david Stern's. but yeah i I do kind of miss uh david Stern. speaking of a punchable face this one guy who was just like they violate the number one rule. You don't go into the stands. I hate people that just make up rules and then not only make up rules, they appoint the number one rule. I did that to my daughter the other day. It's like, Mia, the number one rule is um, you don't make a mess. And then she's like, but last week, your number one rule was don't talk back to you and mom. It's like, God damn it. Don't you like, so anyone that makes up rules and then this is the number one rule. It's like, get that F out of here, man. So that guy was just... Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of the hyperbole like that. Um, so Jermaine O'Neal, um, they portrayed it as, oh, it's poor Jermaine. All the other guys got to win a ring. I mean, not Reggie. Reggie was out, but like Arnold Test and Jackson got to win a ring. Jermaine O'Neal did not. Um, and they were saying, oh, he lost the opportunity. I'm like, yeah, but okay. I think maybe you and I are in the same, like, have the same view. But he still played another like 10 years after that or whatever it was um like numerous teams and like so i i was like he had opportunities i mean he here's the other players he played with bosch in toronto wade in miami the big three in boston steve nash with the phoenix suns and steph curry with the warriors he had opportunities to win mm-hmm. if he was as good he would have won like that was it he just didn't close it like i just i don't know that's my view of it i just thought it was a bit of a revisionist history there I'm wondering, I feel like he didn't say anything about himself. I feel like other people said it about him. So it might be, yeah. who knows? It might be a, it must be, a, it might be a post-production um, narrative that he's not too happy about. But um, he, I think was instrumental. This, I think he was one of, and he's like the, like the one, the driving force behind the doc is what I Okay. Well, listen, he's entitled of his revisionist history. I mean, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I just I wanted mean, to be out there that, hey, look, this is what the player was. Yeah. Six All-Stars, one All-NBA second team, two All-NBA third teams. Like, this was not a, this was not the travesty of like, um, no. LeBron not winning five. Like, I do think if LeBron only finishes, is he at three or four championships now? He's at four. Four. Okay, I guess four is okay. I think because if he finished his whole career and had three, I do feel like it would have been a travesty of like of 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 the universe that he wouldn't have won more than three. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, just the way it all played out. But uh, Jermaine O'Neal, I think he got the career that he was meant to have. Um, yeah, it was a fine career. I will will explore that in another pod. I I I was excited when he came to Toronto. Really was. So, um, let's with, get into um, it. Well, I wanted to just say um, oh, sure, yeah. one, no, just one guy that kind of came off uh, well for me as well was um, I really enjoyed Reggie Miller 
Um, okay. I actually, I actually, yeah, he was just, um, it's funny when he's produced, he's not bad. And then when you just like, you know, give him a headset and he's calling basketball games, he's, <laughs> yeah. in, he's insufferable. Right. So maybe there's a happy medium there and we can have I, less I Reggie. I can him on TNT, but you're right. In this documentary, yeah. he was measured. He explained his points well. Yeah. And, and I just, listen, I, um, now I've not been in a situation like that, but I've been in a situation where I've had to get my buddy out and it was, you know, not cool. And okay. he just a little thing of, he had a broken hand oh, yeah. and, and he was shielding his body from Jermaine O'Neal to get out. Uh, or maybe it was Ron Artest. I think it was Ron. And, you know, he, he talked down that cop with the mace and yeah, but just okay. him going through the tunnel, putting like, put it. So there was the, there was the security guard that was doing most of the shielding, but Reggie was there as well. And yeah. it touched me, man. Honestly, it, it touched me. Like Reggie did not have to do this for a guy that just started a fight, man. That was <laughs> like, so to me, Reggie Miller, yes, you are a hall of famer because of what you did that night. I thought that was awesome because I think his Hall of Fame career is whatever. I think it's like the I think the Hall of Fame career should be Reggie Miller, Kyle Lowry. That should be like kind of your floor, right? And I think he's at that floor level. He's but a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. No, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that should be that should be the floor. I think I yeah. think that there's people that are have had less careers than Reggie Miller who are in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think they should be. Um, but Reggie Reggie's a Hall of Famer. So, but even if he wasn't. And seeing this documentary, if maybe I was on the fence before what he did that night, I'm like, man, he just like I, I just I just thought it was I, th- I just thought it was such a cool visual of him just getting his boy out of there, man. Uh, and he's been in some hostile point. environment. I, he's, I think it's a good point. So I Reggie's didn't, didn't Reggie's Reggie's been in hostile environments. He's also caused those environments to be hostile. And here he is getting his boy out, being like man, you fucked up. Like, even I've never done this, but let's get you out of here. Cause I'm concerned about you. I have a broken hand. I'm older than you, but let's get you out, man. I just, I don't know. I just, something maybe being a father now or something like that, but just that, that was just really yeah. cool to see Reggie do that. So it was, it was touching, man. It kind of uh, tugged at my heartstrings a bit. That's a good point. Um, I'll say though, I think today's players, I have trouble picturing a lot of them like actually doing, doing kind of going that step. Just oh my god, we just saw that. We just saw that in the playoffs when when Pat Bev shoved Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. No one did anything. <laughs> Mind you, it's 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 Chris it's Chris Paul. So if you want to push Chris Paul and I'm Chris Paul's teammate, I'm like, yeah, you should have pushed him harder. But man, like you're you're right. We just we just saw that the other day. We just saw like yeah, um, you know, yeah. I mean, Chris Paul, like he, and let's face it, he was having a great year up till then. Like it just didn't end his way, but that you know up up until the the Clippers series like that was you know Chris you were getting like really good Chris Ball and you kind of need him to go there. and that guy just gets pushed down and you guys do nothing <laughs> man <laughs> that's a good point um I think that's a good way to end that one uh that's a good point